Oh, and it gets hard late in the day. Is it a I'm real cigarette or what? No, no, it's not. No, that's what I'm saying. It's an herbal cigarette. It's just like what they use on like TV shows and stuff. So it's um, it's a it's a prop cigarette. So it doesn't really even feel like. like what does it taste? Like like a little a little bit like nothing and a little bit kind of like all that stuff tastes. You know, like whenever there's like an herbal something, it sort of is a, like a bit like you know, like, like, yeah, like Harry Potter jellies or whatever they're called in English. <laughs> And it's actually funny, this brand is a UK brand that they ended up using on Mad Men. Uh, the legend, and it's probably true, is that the the cast was super gung-ho. They were like, oh, we're gonna smoke real cigarettes on set. We're gonna be like, make it really like the 50s. And like after the first like day, everyone was like, oh my God. Like, That's no, 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 disgusting. Let's, let's use the fake ones. La imagen por la cual vale la pena arriesgar la vida. Sacrificarse hasta la muerte en los campos de batalla de todos los continentes del mundo. Live from West Berlin, it's the committee program sponsored by Cadre Cigarettes, the national cigarette of Equatorial Fredonia, and starring Aran Shadri, Julia Doubleday, Forrest Lovett, Yamameli, Javad Castrati, and Yorsuli, Jacopo Castelletti. And now, a man who is not allowed to smoke during the show anymore because it wakes up the baby, Aran Chowdhury! Yes, yes, thank you so much, Jacopo. Yes, and that's true. That's true. We have guests in the uh, cohabitating in our office at the committee headquarters, and so we are trying not to smoke in the office, and we are trying not to wake the baby. These are things that we are trying, although we still have contractual obligations with our sponsor. Of course, quality is what makes Cadre special. Quantity is what makes it yours. The quality that can only come from the care with which Cadre selects tobacco for their cigarettes and the quantity that can only be guaranteed in complex multi-year economic projects. Cadre, good and many, like Fredonia itself and sponsors of the committee program. Thank you for being with us tonight. You know, we have a great show lined up. We do have Ellie Mayo Hagen and Julia Doubleday coming on. I think, hope, and expect we're going to connect a call with South Africa to hear about some things going on there. That'll either be this week or next week. We have a global news rodeo. We have polling galore. We have things for you. Uh, despite my looking like 1973 Richard Nixon and 1972 Richard Nixon as referenced in the famous Richard Nixon sketch. Uh, okay, so we're gonna run the, the the British opening thing, and we're gonna do one of these hundred objects things. All right, let's get the let's get the let's get the colonialism happening. Let's do that. And now the history of our run in one hundred objects. Yes, quite. Yes, I have two great objects, um, both from the same era of committee slash a run's life, which is the White House days. One actually is just in passing because I was just at a bar mitzvah and it was just Passover season. And uh, it's my White House yarmulke from the White House satyrs that I was lucky enough to help get to lead. But that's actually not what I wanted to talk to you about, although it is a good historical object. What I want to talk about, look, is there's many things at the White House that are not the best. You know, uh, you know, you know, some of the coups that come out of it. This is not even what we're talking about. But I even mean like you'd think things in service of the president and the richest country in the world would somehow be the best, you know. But actually the White House is kind of a dump, like I've said before. You know, it's kind of falling apart. Uh, all of these things. There are a couple of things that are the best. Um, two or three. I think one of them will actually devote a whole segment to which is the staff secretary office, which I think is a smart way to organize things. Um, number two is the eggnog that they serve at the holiday seasons. It is very alcoholic and very delicious, and it's, it actually is just absolutely the best. And the third are mini skeds. Many of us have busy lives. We're on the road a lot. We're traveling. Many of us are attending activities, conferences, um, protests, marches, many things that are complex and don't always have a stage manager to manage them, which all of us theater kids, this is what we like, is to actually have a person with the headphones making it happen. When you can't have a person with the headphones making it happen, you can have a mini sked. Because a schedule that you fold up is one thing, but a schedule that not only you know, has the important information like this one does, you know, everyone's phone numbers and like the weather 
and a, and a breakdown of what's happening thing by thing. This will happen to be trip of the president to Holland, Michigan in July 15th, 2010. You know, not only does it have, say, the drive time from uh, a photo line with LG Chem employees to local elected officials uh, at a tent at Compact Power uh, Incorporated. Anyway, we're getting in the weeds here. The point is that it is made small enough that it fits right in your pocket. And you can have that with you all day, reference the schedule, know where you are, and not have to keep asking where are we going? How long does it take? And you're like, but it's in the schedule. I sent it to your phone. I gave you this printout. It was in your hotel. Whatever it is, a mini sched, a mini schedule, a schedule that can fit in your pocket and maybe has you know something a little stiffer on the outside. Doesn't need to. The lighter the outside, the more staples you're going to want to put on the side to give it some sort of uh, <laughs> to give it some sort of backbone to give it a spine. Uh, but that's what I wanted to share with you. This is a mini sked, and this is how the White House does it. And I think it's, you know, <laughs> I think it's a good way to do it. I keep trying to make a joke about how the White House is really good at a few things, and cuckoos keeps being the one that I keep thinking of, you know? So look, you know, whether you're the Dallas Brothers or whether you're a stationaire, mini skeds. On with the show. This is the Global News Rodeo with Arun Chowdhury and Forrest Lovett. Hi, welcome back to the committee program. I am your host, Arun Chowdhury, and this is your Global News Rodeo. A roundup of world events is curated by the show's own Forrest Lovett and sometimes editorialized by me. Let's go. Item one, 100 days, update on the war in Ukraine. Nothing cute in the title, Forrest. Uh, and that's okay. I think that that's okay. Let's just plunge ahead. Al Jazeera's reporting on the 100th day of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Here's some key developments in the last weeks. On May 18th, the European Commission announced a 220 billion euro plan to wean themselves off of Russian oil imports in the next five years. On May 23rd, Ukraine convicted the first Russian soldier of war crimes and sentenced him to life in prison. On May 25th, President Zelensky rebuked former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Sorry, I think he might have just turned 99 this last week also, for suggesting Ukraine should surrender land to Russia, citing this was akin to the policy of appeasement before World War II. On May 28th, Russia, in telephone talks with French and German leaders, agreed to facilitate Ukrainian grain exports on the condition that sanctions against them are lifted. And as of June 1st, Russian troops were reported to hold the city center of Severodonetsk in eastern Ukraine. Uh, that is in the middle of uh, Luhansk. Um, you know, look, we're getting a lot of information and sort of breathless and a lot of the sort of techni technical kind of aspects of which weapons are being used. We do know that a lot of people continue to die every day. We do know that it's grinding into some kind of stalemate. And I think we do know that the real strategy of anyone looking at this has to be to see if the European slash NATO alliance, whatever you want to call it, will hold together when it's cold and when Russian gas becomes more important to them. Already right now, you can see the kind of mixed results and how hard it is to kind of deglobalize de the energy market. Um, it is clear that everyone involved has the resources to keep this going into next year. And I think it's more and more clear that what we are seeing on the ground is what we are going to see, say, through December. Some folks might say that they're, they're planning big things in the summer on both sides. I just, I don't see it happening, but you know, I'm certainly not an expert, nor are any of us here at your committee program, but we know more than the average bear. Item two, one bird with one stone. Turkey changes its name. Deutsche Welle is reporting that Turkey's applied and officially been granted a name changed by the United Nations, going from Turkey to Turkia, spelled Turkia, T-U-R-K-I-Y-E with the umlaut U and pronounced Turkey. Yeah. The country wants to distance themselves from the bird 
and to have a cultural rebranding, I think that's very fair. It's very odd how the bird and the country have the same name, right? Like we can all wrap our heads around that being a strange thing. Turkish President Erdogan said, Turkey has the best representation and expression of the Turkish people's culture, civilization, and values. But did you know? Turkey isn't the only country to recently make an about face in 2020. The Netherlands formally dropped the name Holland in an attempt to push away from the drug use and prostitution, which are associated with Amsterdam, which is in the North Holland province. And of course, in 2019, the Republic of Macedonia became the Republic of North Macedonia. And in 2016, the Czech government officially changed the name from the Czech Republic to Czechia for international markability purposes. I will say all of this is well and fine and good, but the North Macedonians did not want to change, and they did change because this was supposed to actually start the EU process that they have every reason and expectation of being on with Albania. And once again, I would call on the EU to take this seriously. Y'all promised. They didn't want to do it, and they did it. They went, they found a negotiation, they did the thing. There should be a reward at the end of that. Item three. Mind the gap between workers and employers, London tube strike. Socialist workers reporting on another planned walkout by the station staff of the London Underground. Members of the National Union of Rail, Maritime and Transport Workers, or RMT, have scheduled a strike on June 6th, their third 24-hour walkout since March. The strikes are in response to London's plan to slash jobs of city workers in a COVID emergency funding deal with the government. Sadie, a station worker, was interviewed about RMT's plan, saying, I think we urgently need a program of escalating strikes that is spelled out in advance so people know we are serious about resisting the cuts. The bosses have shown no signs of backing off. Instead, they are plowing ahead with specific plans for how to make cuts in stations. The plans are brutal, with some stations facing a nearly 50% cut to the numbers of customer service assistants. It's good that the union has called another tube strike on on June 6th, but it won't be enough to stop the attacks. Item four, Presidente Petro Possibilidad, Colombia election heads to runoff. The Guardian is reporting on the first round of the Colombian presidential election, which saw former mayor of Bogota and leftist Gustavo Petro and conservative populist Rodolfo Hernandez. Petro received the most votes at 40%, but fell short of the necessary 50% to prevent a second round. June 19th is now set for the runoff of the anti-establishment candidates in a contentious and polarizing political climate. Sounds familiar. Sounds like everywhere. Sounds like everything. While Hernandez runs on populist appeals to the nation's worker, Petro has promised tax reform and vows to change how Colombia deals with its drug cartels. If elected in June, Gustavo Petro would make history on two different fronts. On one front, he would become the first president on the left side of the aisle, while also making history with his running mate. On the ticket with Petro is Francia Marquez, who if elected would be the first black female vice president in the country's history. Amid social and economic arrest, consulted uh, Silvana Amaya said of the election, Colombians are demanding a change of the socioeconomic paradigm that will dictate the political policies for the next four years. But most importantly, a change that restores their hope. Hope for better days, for a better social environment, with less corruption and with more equality. This is one we're keeping a close eye on. We'll also be talking about in the polling. uh, Pink wave, y'all. Ciao and welcome back to our polling update here at the Polling Channel, brought to you by the Committee Program. Looking to the Western Hemisphere per America elects, Gustavo Petro left to center and right-wing Rodolfo Hernandez have advanced the runoff in the presidential election. This will be exciting to see if the pink front continues in Latin America. In Turkey, per Arbitir poll, we initially see opposition candidates potentially coming ahead of ever-present President Erdogan at 55 to 45. At the polling channel, we aren't sure if this is rain or if someone is... You know... Anyway, we, we remain skeptical. In Finland, the Talos to... Oh, Talos Tutkimus. The Talos Tutkimus poll has conservatives rising, although whether they can disrupt the Social Democratic Coalition is an open doubt. NATO skepticism could be an interesting weather pattern, too. Look at here. In the United States of America, YouGov has Democrats running ahead of Republicans by a few points, generically, and this is, this is wrong. This is wrong and stupid and incorrect and ill-advised. The committee program stands behind out prediction of a democratic route at between 25 and 33 seats swinging to Republicans. YouGov, we need more than whatever this is. And then for it, for it, shame on you for bringing it up. 
And finally, in Seoul, the capital of the regular Republic of Korea, with 100% of the votes counted, Oh Si-hoon, the conservative from the PPP, has decisively defeated liberal Soo Young-gil of the DPK at 59% to 39%. Mazel tov to all concerned, except for Oh Si-hoon, he doesn't seem great. And from the staff here at the polling channel, thank you so much for watching, and stay safe out there. El nuevo CAF, CAF granulado. Es el nuevo CAF definitivamente instantáneo. El nuevo CAF granulado tiene poca cafeína. ¿Y su sabor? Pruébelo. Nuevo CAF granulado reconforta sanamente porque tiene poca cafeína. Advance, el primer cigarrillo de bajos índices. Algún día, todos lo serán. Jesus, I need, I need to get some sleep or at least look like I've gotten more sleep because I look like, I look like Richard Nixon. That's what I look like. And not like 1972 Richard Nixon. I look like 1973 Richard Nixon. You see what I'm saying? This is Cross Atlantic Cross Talk. And welcome back to the committee program. And we have the Cross Atlantic Crosstown Gang. That is Ellie Mae O'Hagan, the director of Class Think Tank, and Julia Doubleday, the deputy director of Committee LLC, deputy host of the show. And uh, what else would you describe yourself as these days, Julia? Oh, um, a person who likes to watch horror movies during the day. Yes. And we have that. We will we will curve into a bit of that if by horror you mean hero-worshipping American biographies, which is just like not only the only movies we make, but the only books we read. It just has to Weird be. Pivot. I'm getting ahead of yeah. ourselves. Weird getting ahead of ourselves. But today we're actually doing a cultural dip, and we will be talking about The Dropout. Uh, of course, the Elizabeth Holmes docudrama on Hulu. I think it was Hulu who put it out. But before we dove into that, I wanted to ask Ellie Mayo Hagen about Boris Johnson, how much trouble is again? I feel like it's the same thing I asked you last time you were here. So I apologize for that, except now I'm hearing numbers. And when you start seeing people saying, I know of at least 58 Tories who will vote, you know, for a no confidence vote, then you start to think maybe there are 78 or maybe there are none. So I think one thing that's interesting that happened this weekend is that when he went to St. Paul's Cathedral for the Jubilee service, um, he was booed. And I think that will have really freaked out the the Tories because for them to lose the, the royal crowd, the royal lovers, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not great. like, that's a problem. So um, that would be like people who, I don't know, like have like 70 American flags in their home, like booing <laughs> Trump or something. I don't know what the equivalent, do you know what I mean? So like that's an average American, yeah. <laughs> seventy American flight. Approaching, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of them are blue for some reason. It's all a long story. I was gonna say one, but then I was like, no, loads of people have one. No, literally, like, like my parents, like yeah, like here it's have, quite unusual. Yeah. When I lived in Texas, in you had to subscribe to a service, and if you didn't, mm. the neighbors would like look down on you to like a Boy Scout service where you paid them a certain amount of money to like put up your flag. It was and check only on when it. I started traveling abroad that I realized we were. Weirdly patriotic. When I, I will when say I the Hungarians know their own well. um, their own national anthems. When I was like, "Oh, that's weird." I know twelve patriotic American songs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's quite uh, like Wales in that respect. We love flags and patriotism, and we have lots we of We've got songs. a dragon on yours, to be fair. But sorry, we interrupted. You were talking yeah. about Tories uh, and it looking pretty bad because even the royals are yelling at them, or the royal crowd. Yeah, but in 2017 or 2018, I can't remember when it was, um, Theresa May, uh, there was, a there was like, all the letters. I have not um, heard that name in a long time. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for bringing that up. It's like up. a Star Wars moment. Um, she, she like, you know, there was a vote of no confidence, um, about her and like she won it. And I think that same thing's going to happen again. I think like, I, my prediction is that like they, they might get the letters. I think they probably will get the letters and then he'll win it. That means no. the proceedings begin, you mean by the letters and then they yes. will get the votes to make it actually. Why, why is it called the relax. letters? So like the ninth is the, the Tories have got this group called the 1922 committee and oh, they Jesus. they're essentially that sounds like, like exactly the, what it is isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah i've been in parliament when the 1922 committee is meeting and they all wear like a white tie which is the fanciest dress code of course there is and they all like they're all like you know kind of cartoons of like fat cats or like got big bellies they're all like that and then, and then they all go like when one of them says something, and they all agree with. They all bang on the table and go, "Yeah, it's a bizarre spectacle." Anyway, they kind of make all the decisions about the um, Conservative Parliamentary Party, and the rules. The, so there's rules like each party has its own internal rules about how to challenge leadership and so on. And the Tories' rules are if you like 45 MPs have to write a letter to the 1922 committee saying they've lost confidence in Boris Johnson. Mm. I'm not sure whether it's always 45 or whether it's a portion of, like, your majority. I'm not sure. I think maybe it might be half the majority. It's the spirit of 45 because of the war. Probably. And and so... And it's... They don't... uh, MPs don't have to go public, so no-one knows precisely how many letters so this is a way to sort of exercise semi-public pressure without it being like Mm. still being anonymous on leadership yeah so but yeah obviously like rumors are swirling and journalists are saying they're going to get they're going to reach 45 and some journalists are saying they're not going to reach 45 obviously it's all like you know mps are all briefing the journalists that they're friendly with and they have their own reasons for doing it so i think it's quite hard to know really until like until it happens and yeah, and I think I think they will come to the conclusion, which is the right conclusion, that there is not really anyone that can replace Boris Johnson that they would be happy with. Mm-hmm. Like the only person who I think would make a half decent leader is this guy called Jeremy Hunt, who is like more kind of on the David Cameron end of the party, the more sort mm-hmm. of lib- liberal end, um, and that is not like that's just not where the Tory party is at the moment. Um, they're on the kind of more Trump and rough and tumble. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that, and like the other one is like Liz Truss, but she's like, yeah, who's foreign secretary, but she's, she's getting like, a lot of camera time by, you know, yeah, and that, that's, in, that's intentional, but she's quite mad. Like she's got some weird eccentric. <laughs> she did this whole thing about like British ham a while ago, you know, like she's sort of a bit of an oddball. So I don't like, I think they kind of maybe worry that she won't win an election. And I think they would be right. So I think that's why he'll... And Boris Johnson will say to them, vote me out if you want, but I've never lost an election I've run in. And, like, I think they'll, they'll do that all right. tell us more about the British ham? Uh, <laughs> um, that is a Brexit thing. <laughs> so she was like, oh, we've got the finest ham, you know, like, and that's, that's the new Britain... Now we've left the, the EU. The finest we can, ham. Like, That's yeah. the new slogan for Britain. Send yeah. his widow or it was a like ham. cheese, finest anyway. Ham. It was cheese, actually. I've never known a country. It was a speech about cheese. She did a big speech about cheese. Ellie, but I've just never it, known to me, a country this feels to have like... such horrible food and be so proud of it. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's batshit crazy. I worry I that like this food. whole thing... It's dodgy. Oh yeah, and we can talk about this. There's a lot to unpack in terms of yeah, in terms of British food. But the whole, this whole thing seems to me like an opportunity for Boris Johnson just to put everything behind him. Like the vote doesn't work, he doesn't kicked out, and he's like, yeah, we had that debate. Whatever yeah. the party, who had a beer, who could even remember anymore? But we had a vote about it, uh, and that's the end of it. And I'm okay, you know. Yeah, I mean, that that I guess like 
could have happened for Theresa May, but she did end up standing down. But I guess, like, she had to stand down because she just couldn't pass anything that she wanted to pass. So she sort of had what to... What a concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was just um, trying yeah. to get Brexit done. She was trying and failing. Um, yeah, so I think, like... So, so yeah, I think that's what he would hope, is that it will be put to bed. But, I mean, who knows? Like, it, our next election's 2024... Ew, that's a long time in politics. Like I don't know, man. That's just around the corner. I'm worried about it already. But think about think about like all of the stuff that's happened in the last two years. Yeah, it's a lot. like a war, a pandemic. Like you know, two years ago, Boris Johnson seemed like absolutely. Uh, in, what's the word? Invincible. Invincible. Just a machine. So, like, who's to say that in the next two years he won't claw that back? Or you die. Just don't know. You never know. Yeah. Speaking of people who we're not sure if they will claw back, although I do hear she has a boyfriend, uh, we are going to talk about the Amanda Holmes bio. No, she uh, has a husband. She husband. Married. Did she married this young guy? She got married to an heir of some fortune. And I just. Who's young, right? I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. Uh, we are here to talk about the dropout the hulu eight part should have been seven but it was eight and that's fine we can talk about that uh series uh, about elizabeth holmes the rise and fall theranos uh it was first brought to my attention by julia who was sending me all kinds of clips of uh of uh uh, i really (laughs) just sent you the one of her dancing the dancing which is i think is a famous one that was moving around and then ellie was like are you all checking this out and so then it became a natural to talk about it i do think it's interesting in terms of these kind of uh especially these sort of tech bio documentaries that both condemn and exalt this kind of culture you know one thinks of the social network etc uh and there's also lots of other dynamics to it there's a lot that's interesting about it uh and i would just definitely want to hear what you all thought first who goes first? You have to choose. Julia, you go first because you brought it to my attention first. Okay, so I feel like we all maybe kind of agree on this, which is that the show itself, I feel like it definitely hit all of the narrative points it needed to hit. But at the same time, it wasn't that great of a show. But the thing that really made it great was Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes, who, by the way, I thought was bad yeah. casting before watching the the show because I didn't see it. You know, I don't think they look similar. Um, but she was just so good at looking and acting completely fucking And then nuts. the voice was freakish. The voice, yeah, doing the voice and also, like, kind of just holding all this, like, tension in her shoulders and, like, having a weird robot affect to her and the way they dressed her. Robot, and, but also still being a loser. We talked about this a And bit, also, right? like, grit- gritting her teeth and, like, the big stare and... Um, and also N- Naveen Andrews, who was the uh, Sonny Balwani. Ah, he was good. Also great. Yeah, they were both great. Honestly, their horrible, toxic relationship, I'm just rooting for them. I want them to get back together. They're obviously meant to be. I mean, there's just no fucking way that this new, uh, you know... This hot air, new whatever, Hapsburg kid, whatever husband that she married to have a baby with is going to be able to keep up with her. She's going to murder him and chop him up into a bunch of little pieces. She needs to get back with Sunny, And, and nobody might. else is going to make her happy, okay? I, I will say for me, this was my third time go around on this story, and I was a little worried about that because I first listened to the audiobook Bad Blood by the Wall Street Journal guy who's featured a lot in it. Oh, you a, did a listen to it. It was, like, based on that. So, yeah, you yeah. knew all And then I also listened to another thing about it. Uh, both, I think, the, were audio. The podcast. Maybe not this podcast, though, a different podcast, but about about the scandal. And so I was worried that it would be the third time. But actually, in that way, it paralleled something very interesting from my youth, which was, if you remember, the scandal with Amy Fisher and Joey Botafuco on Long Island, which was a scandal with a, a high school person, an auto mechanic, and it was a whole situation. They made three made-for-TV movies about it. And so by the time the third one came around, it was a little old hat. Everyone knew the story. But... Uh, Drew Barrymore played Amy Fisher in the last one, it, which for a TV movie was huge. It was like, whoa, like Drew Barrymore's in Drew it. Barrymore. And so it was, a, and it was like, that's bad casting. She doesn't look like her, but like she did somehow inhabit, inhabit something about it. One thing okay. in all three of those that I missed that I want to know, and maybe no one knows, but it's what I want to know is I want to know 
what she does and doesn't know. What she is she good at the science? Is she not good at the science? Sometimes no. it's like obviously she's, not she's okay at it. Obviously she's not she knows nothing science. about it. She wasn't like kicked out of Stanford, right? Like you know, she dropped was out. a little. She was a little sociopathic baby. No matter how smart you are, like the her mentor, the one woman mentor uh, was like, you don't get to skip a bunch of steps. Meaning you have to actually get this degree to understand what you're talking about is not actually possible. And I also want to say there's a definitely a very gendered aspect to how she got to where she was, which is that all of the mentors that helped her advance her career were a bunch of like, I guess, starstruck men who were like, oh, we're she's like, whoa, a chick. A blonde yeah. lady's talking yeah, yeah, to me yeah. and she's smart and she's read a book and like, you know, just went against everything they could ever conceptualize as a woman being uh, someone who is smart and has blonde hair. And um, that sort of like, you know, faux mentorship that happens in all of these industries of like, actually, I'm just attracted to this person, but I'm going to pretend that I'm her mentor. It was pretty clear that it was gendered because every single woman, every single woman expert who enters um, the story like, yeah, is like, no, this doesn't oh, sound right. Yeah, yeah. she's full of shit. This doesn't even make sense. But she constantly had this string of older, much older men who were clearly had some sort of fascination with her. Even like um, Schultz, the old. Uh, I mean, not defense. even Schultz. I think especially Schultz because he yeah, just no, sort of carries this, this bullshit this, weight of many this, different types of authority, right? Yes, like he this represents. Young, I like the idea of this young, brilliant, pretty woman, and she wants me to be her mentor. And I think that, like, um, it does sort of, it's interesting because we have so much judgment for like uh, sex workers and sugar babies and all this stuff. But like the dynamic of getting ahead as a woman, it often contains components of that needing to attach herself to more powerful men or gain the interest of more powerful men. And there is a component of it that is based on how you look and how you present yourself and whether you present yourself as someone who needs their help. And, uh, these things, it, it, it occurs along a spectrum as opposed to being just something that certain bad women do. Um, and I, I think that's like an aspect of her story that like they didn't exactly delve into, but it was definitely there, especially also her main relationship, even with Sonny Balwani. It's very clear, you know, he was like 30 years older than her or whatever. He met her yeah. very inappropriately when she was like 18, She was 19. pretty young and he was, uh, yeah. And uh, again, that whole relationship was like, uh, he was in love with her. He was obsessed with her. And the only reason Theranos, she didn't get removed as CEO was that she lied, pretended that he was just a business associate who trusted and believed in her. In fact, it was her boyfriend. Um, and that's how she continued to stay in charge and kept the, the scam rolling. So that, that was a big, uh, interesting gendered piece of how she got to where she was. I, I think I want to put some of it on the storytellers though. Like nobody thinks we're smart enough to know the science I feel like. So it's like, how close were they? Like, was this machine a few prototypes off? Was it totally should have been scrapped? This company doesn't even have any ideas. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of super curious, even it after having consumed all of this content. About no, it, you know? I feel like they were very explicitly clear that they were nowhere close to being able to do. She, she conceptualized an idea sort of the same way. If I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we could travel back in time and then, you know, tasked a bunch of engineers with which built with building this thing no, that she had true. never demonstrated was possible. But there were sort of uh, invade Russia moments, it. right? Where it's like, hey, can we use ten drops? And she's like, no, one drop. And it's like, well, would ten drops just have been the answer? No, you're not remembering the show right. They do switch to using ten drops. They because the one drop doesn't work at all. They use the ten drops and then they um, adulterate it. They put water into it so that it's no, no, more that blood. And that's why they, the test came out incorrectly. They, they, what they were saying was never possible. Everybody who had expertise in the actual science of how it worked said it wasn't possible. And when her first idea, you know, when she lays off the first rounds of engineers, they are actually trying to solve the problem that she gave them in the first place. The second round of engineers are like, uh, what if we just use this kind of existing technology and kind of make it work for this idea? And it never does. I mean, like it never even close to, to so works. much so, money and energy. Um, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> Ellie, what did you think of it generally? And also, what do you think of the issues surrounding it? Both these are different questions, and I think you may have different. I totally agreed with everything that Julia just said, so I'm not going to repeat any of that. Um, I think, I guess the, the bit about, like, the men and their relationship to uh, Elizabeth Holmes, I, what I picked up on to do with that was... Um, the whole bit with Alan Ruck playing the like the sort of executive at Walgreens pharmacy. Mm -hmm. um, love Alan Ruck, by the way. Yeah, great. And he um, and he's very much like this is how the kids are doing it these days. You've just got to hop on board. And I thought the role that she played for these men was like they kind of were aware that their like time was over. And you they come were backstage being... for the last tour. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still part of the gang. Yeah, and they're being replaced by, like, young people are doing things that they don't understand and who also, as far as they they perceive it, also have, like, more socially liberal values. Like, I guess it was 2008, so Obama just got elected and, like, I don't know, maybe, like, in, in this country... Meritocratic like, feelings were up, people were leaning in, as you'll recall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, like, things like LGBT rights were becoming more, like, mainstream and what accepted. What a time to be alive. Yeah, it was the, truly it was the best of times, apart from the slight inconvenience of the global meltdown. Um, best of times and the worst of times, you might say. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> as someone once said. Is that um, said that? So, uh, so I, I sort of saw, like, they saw, in my mind, I think that these old men saw her as their route into sort of staying relevant, and also what and what she offered them was like a safe way to be involved in that culture because she was blonde, she was white, she was actually already rich before she took over, um, she, before she launched Theranos. Yep. So she was like already sort of in their orbit, you know, in their sort of class. And, um, and basically she flattered their egos and like didn't challenge the sort of male dominance of the, of the um, of business. Instead, she just kind of did this like, yes, we can style kind of like feminism like mm. the Cheryl's the lean-in identity kind of feminism. politics this just yeah. land I mean this, and she yeah. never hired women to be around her except for like two that immediately were like this is a scam and I quit yeah yeah, yeah the designer the quitting was, like, was quite a nice scene I real. thought actually yeah yeah and I think like there's a safety in that for those men right that they like they're probably a bit afraid and alarmed by like this kind of culture um, this sort of youth culture, I suppose, Move they fast, don't understand. Break things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because, yeah, it's that. manifesting through the internet, which, like, loads of them just, like, never used in any significant way, because probably by the time the internet became popularised, they all had secretaries, you know. So, like... Assistants. So you can imagine that they feel, like, um, afraid and threatened by, like, this new stuff that's happening. And she she was like this kind of, you know, chamomile balm that, that they could sort of, you know, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Like, it's just going to be like... And, you know, she sort of deliberately, I think, played up this idea, that, that, that kind of weird, gross interplay of, like, sort of sex object and daughter. Um, yes, totally. As well. 100%. And I think, yeah, I think that was very, like... I, so that was where she, she is, like, very, very good, is, like her ability to do that to people, to, like, to know how to manipulate people. Um, yeah, and I thought that was, like, that was definitely the bit that I noticed. And that, that came through most in the scenes with Alan Ruck, where he was, like, pushing Walgreens to sign with Theranos on no evidence because he was afraid of, like... Right, the lab guy is like, please, just one second in the lab. Yeah. Oh, like, just one yeah. minute with the lab equipment because they're obviously lying <laughs> about everything. See, can I just see it? Yeah. Can I just see it? He was yeah. very good at being frustrated man number three, I yeah, thought. Yeah, the man-man yeah, yeah, man yeah, guy. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. yeah. But have you seen any... In, have you re-watched any interviews about... from with Elizabeth Holmes at the time? Because now, knowing what we know now, if you go back... Viewers, I recommend this. Go back mm -hmm. now and watch Elizabeth Holmes being interviewed on, like, mainstream American television. Oh, the uh, HBO was... documentary has a lot of that footage on it. That was one of the other things that I it's saw. It's so yeah. obvious that she's full of shit. That's what the crazy <laughs> thing is. Like, there's a, an interview with her with Good it's Morning America. It's just salad, yeah. And, like, they're walking around Theranos, and um, the host is like, of course no one's actually seen this technology. 
And then she says to Elizabeth Home in like the sit-down interview, oh, some people say that your technology doesn't work. What do you say to them? And Elizabeth Home says, well, when you invent something new, there should be questions. And that's her answer. It's like, it's so obvious that, there's, yeah. that it's all a lie and it's kind of crazy. It was like in plain sight. Yeah. Honestly, what's interesting too, though, is that there's so much of this in Silicon Valley. Um, and this one blew up to be such a big deal. But in a lot of ways, I was talking online to someone about this the other day. It's not really that different from what Elon Musk is doing, right? Like he, his mm-hmm. business is constantly claiming to invent stuff that they haven't invented. And I mean... He, a couple of his big claims, you know, one, he's going to invent this super tunnel thing, the super oh, yeah. fast transit, public transit thing. Uh, the Hyperloop has That's never it. existed in we know, any like, way, shape or form. Now it's taking the form of a tunnel underground for Tesla's. That is a one way tunnel. You have to wait till everyone's done going this way before (laughs) people can go this way. So he invented (laughs) tunnels, but worse. Um, He invented guns for cars. It's like (laughs) shooting them through tunnels, you know. His cars uh, blow up, catch on fire. We all know this. Uh, They have uh, automated systems that like basically don't work if you don't install like a software update. So like all of a sudden you're like, you're really high tech screen interface that you use to run your car. You can just stop working. It's kind of terrifying. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. The, the, the fully automated vehicle thing is a motherfucking lie. You can put me on the record with that. It will never happen. They have been trying to do it for decades. A decade ago, they said it would be ready in a decade, a decade before that they said it would be ready in a decade. The reason it doesn't work is that, uh, People are not computer programs. They don't interact with the world in a way that a computer program can effectively predict. And the thing that engineers keep saying is like, well, basically the issue is the people. Like sometimes people do things. It's also AI is not what people think it is. AI isn't what people think it is at all. It's and and that's a really big issue. Actually, I think not to get too far off topic, but when we're talking about climate change and we're talking about all these other issues, people are like, oh, we're so our technology is so advanced now. I'm like. A Tesla literally just ran headfirst into a private jet the other day because they tried to set their Tesla to come drive over. That's kind of beautiful, though. That's and, the Waco of car accidents. Yeah, and the, the and the people you know? in the comments, the Musk defenders were like, this is good. This is training data. So they know not to run into an airplane. And I'm like, well, I know not to run into an airplane. So I don't know if I need this fully right. automated. How much training is it going to need? How many different kinds of planes okay, so should we put out of the Two things he's claimed to invent that he hasn't invented. What else? He thinks he's going to go live on Mars. No, he's not. That's not going to happen. He can't even, you know, it's never been shown that we can actually terraform another planet. We can even terraform the fucking Earth. So three lies. Last lie, um, he's going to put a chip in your brain to... Oh, my God, the poor monkeys. This is terrible. What's with Yes. A chip in your brain so that you can, I don't know, like have Google inside of your brain or fucking whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he's actually doing is that they're torturing monkeys, putting weird stuff in their brains, and then they all just die of infections because. And, uh, and I want to say Elizabeth Holmes did none of those things, right? She just <laughs> thought big. She just thought big and asked for enormous amounts of money. And in that way, you have to respect her. You know, it's not like I need 10 million. She's like, I need a billion of your dollars. You know, like she, like that's the but deal. That's what they're trained to do, right? Long can Elon Musk get away with doing this? It seems like forever. So well, we're going to well, talk he did about the do, Which is after a certain number of years, you're supposed to just jump onto the next thing, right? It's like Square, then Twitter. You have to like do multiples of these things so that your money is coming in from different places and you're not tied into one thing. That's when the lawyers can just keep you alive forever. I feel yeah. like she doesn't, she didn't Most do that. Most of his cars she that he sold thing. have been recalled. He is a fucking scam artist. <laughs> I suppose he like made his billions with PayPal initially and then yeah. that's given yes. him this like insane cushion to be insane. Yeah, Rich like, Boy Mike's finance tool. You know, yeah. like news at 11. Whereas, whereas Elizabeth <sighs> Holmes was like, you know, she 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 she'd like. Bet she had a dream. She one. had an idea. Do you think she actually ever believed it could work? One of the things that I I, I don't know. was I noticed about the dropout was it just I was like she must be have something actually, wrong with her to yeah. to want to do this because it was so stressful. She was like playing everybody off against one another and lying and lying and lying. It's and I was because like, it's because this is 
a biography that is force-fed to American kids, right? Like this idea, especially with tech, of just – it's the idea. It's just the hustle. You know, it's just as much effort to put behind it. Things things can always work themselves out. You can always find a solution if you ju- – you know, and it's just this weird – it's this weird idea that's just sold to people from very young. Kindergartners who code, like it is just like – if you just hustle, 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 whatever it is will come true. When we see over and over again, people are successful, start successful. I mean, you know, you don't I need to tell you this. think she believed it could work not through any of her own efforts, but like Arun is saying, like, I think, you know, they sort of uh, openly showed her having like, having like, you know, the Bill Gates poster on the wall and that kind of thing. Like her goal was never to improve society. It was to be a billionaire specifically. Like I want to have a lot of money. That's my goal. And in order to have a lot of money, her thought was like, I just need to invent something. And not even for the money, right? For the points. I want a billion points. I think the money too. I think the money too. The money, the power, whatever. She wanted to be another Titan of society. And, she just thought if I just have an idea, she was a fucking kid. Like a lot of dumbass kids when they're 19 are like, I want to be a billionaire. Um, she had an idea and her thought was like, as long as I can get the money, then they can just invent this thing. I don't think she ever thought she had the scientific expertise to it's do like it. People but I have think ideas she that- for movies. I have an idea for a movie. You're like, no, no, the movie is everything else. That's everything else. The idea for the movie is not even a thing, but thank you for your idea. <laughs> Um, I, um, I think that she like felt entitled. It it was like a bit in the same way that I felt about like, um, Anna Delvey in that Inventing Anna series that it, that it was like, these were two people who feel that there is something off kilter with the universe, that they're not fantastically rich. So therefore like they can do whatever they want because they're redressing the balance. I think a lot of Americans feel that way. (laughs) But I mean, it's I also it's the Steve Jobs thing also, right? <laughs> it's just this hero. It's this weird thing, right? It's like if you are an asshole to enough people, it means you have determination and grit. <laughs> and, like, and somehow that means that you deserve to be successful. If you build the infrastructure and if you just have the balls to, like, get the money. If you just scream at enough going, people, you're right? You're going like, yeah. Some at some point you're just gonna end up rich, I guess. Like at this movie, this, uh, you know, any of ways the story could have been, if somehow they had killed it figured out the thing and become successful you the movie wouldn't have changed any of the scenes it's just the reading of it would be different and especially to the american audience that's how it would be fed to them right all the first rounds of people getting fired in shady circumstances it wouldn't even be covered up it would just be like and that's what happens to get to the top like you have to have that kind of grit determination and toughness fire oh, your did, partners I stab people cry. in the eye you know i did cry when stephen fry died when stephen that fry, was very oh. sad yo that was, that was and he was sad. great I he was great at looking continually well, disappointed, yeah. right? How could anyone be so disappointed so many times in so many episodes? And I was like, that takes talent. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, I thought they handled story. that really well, actually, because mm-hmm. it could have been quite gratuitous, but actually I thought it was quite sensitive. I feel like it's sort of something that maybe his sort of family members might feel like, okay, when they watch it, as opposed to like, it wasn't, you know, it could have been really exploitative. But it wasn't. I thought it was handled in quite a sensitive way, which is good. I agree. And you definitely see why he's at the end of his fucking rope with this shit. And yeah. it reminds me because, you know, thinking about the wife's character uh, in it, uh, it is also nice in a Shakespearean sense, however, that one of the driving things, especially in the second half of the drama, is spite and revenge. These are <laughs> things that we like, right? It's not like truth and justice. It's spite and revenge. And that I think is it, what those keeps are, me going, yeah. Uh, that's absolutely. that's what keeps us all going, and I think it's important. When I went to work for Beto in 2018, it was just pure spitefulness towards Ted Cruz. That's why I kept going to the <laughs> office. It was the only <laughs> only thing. I mean, God bless Beto, but, like, really hate Ted Cruz. <laughs> I just had to recuse myself from a Ted Cruz meeting, actually. Um, why? <laughs> I just felt like I shouldn't be there. This what is when I was of, just in what D.C. Kind of t- Ted Cruz meeting. Oh, meeting with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, yeah, when I was doing the things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I actually just like is this is there's going to be another one of these in two years. It'll be a different company doing something different, right? Yeah, I mean, we agreed. The only thing 
This was just sort of like lady serial killer. Thing. Was the only thing Speaking that was interesting. Of spite, I only want one thing. What do you the want? Elon Musk asks expose where everyone realizes how dumb he is. You know what? I mean, okay. Kettle I mean, fish right here. Maybe. I'm, op- I'm opening. A, not kettle fish. I'm opening. A, what's the word? A can of worms. I'm opening can a worms. can of worms. Oh boy. By saying this, but I think in two years there will be a documentary about the Depp Heard trial. Oh, yeah. for sure. That yeah, will the people did the OJ one, probably. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were people consuming that full gulp as they were in the U.S. and the U.K.? It wasn't Being as big. Being that it was live streamed, like you know, like, bananas. Yeah, it wasn't as big, but like it was in the news every day. Um, it wasn't like something that everyone was talking about, but like most people were aware of it, and like most people did swallow the Depp story. Like most people well, did believe his version of events and yeah like, it will be it could be part of a larger documentary about how like troll farms and misinformation and yada 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 all this kind of yeah. stuff yeah and like me too backlash and also like just how absolutely terrible the average person's understanding is of like what domestic abuse looks like mm. and um like you know pe- there's people who are survivors of domestic abuse that have, like supporting that you know it's like yeah. yeah there is a michael jackson level of sort of strange fever that surrounds him that is not like other folks uh that is that i i, I don't well, celebrity is celebrity know. no i'm saying not even just celebrity it's like a, that extra sort of layer of something mm. that some folks get that he somehow has got and definitely has affected uh the interpretation of the whole thing I I will say I think that um, that I would hope that this makes people also like think about like live streaming of trials and the whole things and if this makes sense and like the kind of spectacle that it does put out uh, online etc cetera, etc cetera, because I think there should be cameras in courtrooms for a lot of things I don't think they should be running like continuously and, and definitely I think that it should be thought about a little clean more cleanly than it is we don't like have a, them in this country of any kind right no. That's why you have like all of these kind of bizarre sketches of like courtrooms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, everyone loves a good those. courtroom sketch. I will say I am a fan of some cameras in courtrooms. For instance, I think that if people could get an eye on the Supreme Court and actually mm-hmm. hear the things that these people say instead of just reading the transcripts, which are bananas enough, they would be like, oh, wow, term limits, maybe. Maybe we should impeach that person for being too old to have the job and actually a cr- crazy person. I think that I think that people do need deserve a peek inside the judicial the judiciary from time think, to like, time. When it's a high profile celebrity case involving an issue that is already like really poorly understood. Yeah, this is beyond the pale. There shouldn't civil. be cameras and yeah. also I think jury should be sequestered. Like I was ast- astonished that the judge Oh yeah, didn't... I just learned this. That's crazy, right? So they're out there on Facebook like, you know, I thought reading they all always this stuff, were, right? they're not. I thought that was like the law. I thought it was yeah, like I in the back of the constitution. Have we watched you know? too no, much no. Uh, TV? I thought they all go too to much a law on the or other something. one. I don't know. <laughs> no, whenever the um whenever they took a break, the judge was like, "Don't check social media." But like I did read this afterwards. Yeah, there was no official sequester. It was just like, you know, keep your nose out <sighs> of, you know. And one of the jurors admitted that his wife had texted him saying Amber Heard is psychotic. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like Anything, any case involving violence against women is, like, nearly always plagued by just, like, really poor levels of understanding, um, a lot of, like, really toxic assumptions. Um, Yeah. And, like, you've got to be able to kind of manage that in some way in the trial or, like, women, like, like, separate from this case, women will just never get justice because... You know, things like Amber Heard, like, lied about some stuff and she was kind of mean. And, like, people are sort of using that as a reason to say that... that right, right. Even though it's a perfectly innocent, normal but, thing to lie and be mean. I mean, if these things weren't okay, I don't know where I would be today. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, it's like... Anyway, sorry, I did go... I did open a can of worms, but... No, that is, but that actually, is I'm going to take the worm and put about. it back in the robin here because I'm curious to hear you... Yeah, that did make... Julia's looking at me like I'm crazy because it didn't make any sense. Uh, just but let me ask you how you thought the sexual assault subplot in The Dropout was handled because they did... 
they did kind of try to really elevate it as motivation in her life in a way that I actually hadn't seen in some of the other accounts that I had heard and then brought it back at the end as kind of a bookend um, in a way that didn't totally feel organic to me because uh, it like what sort of wasn't threaded throughout, especially with her relationship, which seemed very rocky with Sonny. But what was your reaction to it? I personally thought it was handled quite well because, like, the reality for, like, women, most women, I would say, or women that have experienced that kind of violence is that it is just something that happens to you and then, like, life goes on. And that's, like, the real tragedy of it. You know, I think, for me, like, one of the things that I felt uncomfortable with, with me too, was there was a lot of women kind of being, like, I was shattered, I was devastated, it was <laughs> the worst experience of my life. And I was like, was it? Because I feel like the worst, the truth, which is actually much worse than that, is that actually a lot of these like experiences are not shattering, because yeah. you you kind of have to become this is society kind of yeah you have to become they have to become normalised for like a lot of women otherwise you just wouldn't leave the house, and like and so I I quite like that that it like clearly had some kind of effect on her and like what her mum said to her perhaps like had some kind of effect on, like, how she moved through the world. But it was ultimately just this awful thing that happened to her. And then she kind of moved on. And I think I never really spoke about it. And I think I think that Until is they did try to wrap it up at the end, which I think where I thought maybe it felt authentic, where because they did all of a sudden have the kind of scene where it was like this. You know, I can't now I I'm, I'm, don't want to misremember what the conversation was. But she says something to her mom and her mom's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought that was a little bit laboured. What did you think, Julia? Because you're right, it's the banality of it, right? Honestly, I didn't really think that much about it, that scene or the later scene. I didn't even really put together that that had anything to do with the earlier part. I kind of forgot about it, which goes back to what you were saying, Ellie. It's just like, that's college, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. People talk about, like, the reporting statistics and stuff, and it's just like, I think for most women, like, when that stuff happens, it's like, not even a thought in your head to report it. It's like, why on earth would you do it? Like, that's like a much worse thing to have to go through afterwards. Like, no, not interested. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. And I thought, I I think I, I appreciated them putting it in and then like making you feel real sympathy for her as a viewer because I think what it sort of communicated is like, you can be like a lying, manipulative billionaire and still be like, the victim of victim, sexual yeah. violence. Like, yeah. you know. Totally. In terms of not being perfect victims, she's definitely on the list of victims, <laughs> comma, And imperfect. also, yeah, victims are never perfect. <laughs> like, they never pay, you know, it's almost always the situation where yes. somebody, you know. And we see this, whatever, you but. know, especially with not just women, but also with minorities who somehow get their mugshots put up while neo-Nazis will get their graduation photos. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Oh, uh, so we're going to end this on a, on a on a solemn little kind of blurk out thing. But, you know, I mean, that's what the, the people don't come for us for enthusiasm. That's not why they come here. So I think I feel OK about it. I thought they came for enthusiasm. What am I enthusiastic about? <laughs> the end of capitalism? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. I'm enthusiastic about that. And on that, that note, the end of capitalism, let me thank <laughs> Julia Doubleday and Ellie Mayo Hagen for being here with us today. And we will see everyone. Spite is a form of enthusiasm. Spite is a... Oh, yes. Okay, we're going to... Uh, Javat, we're going to make a GIF. <laughs> it's Julia's head, and it says, Spite is a form of enthusiasm. And we're going to put that on the Twitter. Maybe a mug. Okay? Let it be done. Thanks so much for tuning into the committee program. We know you have many options when it comes to content consumption, and we appreciate your attention to this new season with new episodes on Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and at 10 p.m. Central European Time. You can support the show by becoming a member on patreon.com slash the committee program. You can follow committee on Twitter uh, backslash committee pro on YouTube, the committee program on Instagram, the committee program on Facebook, the 
the committee program, and you can visit the committee program company store at tpublic.com, the committee program shop. Special thanks, as always, to our team, Javad Castrati, Fiamma Melli, Jacopo Castelletti, Forrest Levette, and committee's deputy director, Julia Doubleday. Look alive out there. It's later than you think. It's the end of our broadcast day. Thanks for listening. program in our second series. For more global infotainment from the committee program, click on the video screen right or screen left. Please like and subscribe to the committee program on Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern and 10 p.m. Central European time.